when you have that entrepreneurial spirit and it hits you like a brick, (laughs) you can't deny that desire to really want to make a difference in people's lives and also in your own life by having that fun and that flexibility to be an entrepreneur. Well, hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and this is just a reminder of what this podcast is really all about. If you're in the direct selling industry, whether you're trying to grow a business, whether you're in a corporate company with a business in the direct selling industry, or whether you're thinking about starting your own business, this podcast is here to support you, but also to provide you with stories from incredible individuals from all over the globe who have either started direct selling companies or who are leaders in the field and have got some incredible stories, tips and tricks to share that might just help you along the way. We also love to be able to share stories from business owners all over the globe, helping you to not have to reinvent the wheel, but most importantly, to grow the business of your dreams. It's such an honor and a privilege for me to be able to meet amazing people and share their stories with you. But most importantly, I love to shine a spotlight on what this incredible industry does and who it impacts. And today is no exception. Today, I'm introducing you to a very, very special human being, Heidi Least, who is the founder and CEO of Lemongrass Spa Products. This is an amazing direct selling company that Heidi started in her home 21 years ago this year. Heidi generously shares her story about how the company came to life, but also her learnings along the way. She, as somebody who has been on the ground as a consultant and the way that she started the company was to be working in it, shares some of the tips and tricks that she's learned along the way from a consultant's perspective, but also from a company perspective. This is a fantastic story. I loved chatting with Heidi. I know you're going to love hearing from her as well. And uh, so the most important thing that you do right now is listen in, enjoy, relax, and make sure that you've got and paper ready because as always, Heidi drops some golden nuggets along the way to help you grow your business. So that's it from me. I'm going to tune on in now to Heidi Least. everybody and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast and a huge welcome to our special guest today, Heidi Least, the founder and CEO of Lemongrass Spa. Thank you for joining us today, Heidi. Oh, you're welcome, Samantha. It is a pleasure. Look, I'm super excited about our chat today. We've had a chance to connect a few times prior to today We've met in person over in the US at the DSA conference earlier this year, and we've been backwards and forwards online. I've been trying to catch up with you for a couple of years because I am so excited to hear the Lemongrass Spa story, and uh, I think this is perfect timing. I I feel um, a little bit like uh, divine intervention played a part here because you guys this year have celebrated 21 years. Is that right? That is right. 21, we're finally legal, Sam. I know. I was, and I love that you said that. That's It's so funny. So your company is finally legal and, uh, you know, I think that's that's so exciting for you guys. How did you celebrate this year? 21 years is such an amazing milestone. Well, every year at our conference, which is in July, um, we do a big celebration at um, by, you know, of course, uh, celebrating all the accomplishments of our field and our community. Um, we had some really special awards this year, as well as launching out a brand new Pink Box of Hope. So we did some really amazing celebrations at our annual conference, and it was it was a blast. It's always great to celebrate with your field and your community uh, surrounding and, and cheering everybody on. Yeah. Uh, I can just imagine, yeah. you know, it's one thing when your your kids turn 21, but your business is a baby yeah. of sorts. And how did it feel for you to get to that 21 years and just go, wow, it's, you know, like thinking back to where it all started. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Was that a, a really, um, you know, special time for you to to tick over that milestone personally? 
It definitely was because just like you said with your kids, when your kids turn 21 and I have a daughter that's 22 and another 20 who is going to be turning 21, I started the business when I had a baby and eventually another one on the way. So it's kind of crazy how they have grown up with the business, but the business has grown up a lot too and a lot of changes along the way. Yeah. Now I just want to come back to that for a sec. Who Heidi in their right mind starts a business with a baby and another baby on the way? What on earth possessed you to do that? You know, there's a few things and a few factors at play, but really I wanted to be my own boss. And just like so many other people, when you have that entrepreneurial spirit and it hits you like a brick, (laughs) you can't deny that desire to really want to make a difference in people's lives and also in your own life by having that fun and that flexibility to be an entrepreneur. So there was no denying it. I was ready to do something on my own. And it was a big desire of mine to be able to stay home with my children. Um, So it's no different than so many of our entrepreneurs within our consultant community. Yeah. And so tell us the story about how this all came about 21 years ago. What did that look like? Well, I was making a few products in my home, sharing them with a few friends. And, you know, one thing really led to another. It was the whole idea of being able to pamper women in their homes Mm -hmm. and help them make healthier choices when it came to products that they were using. And I became a label reader um, because with my first pregnancy, I really became very much more aware of, you know, everything I was eating and what I was putting on my body and my skin and what I was breathing and all of those factors and really um, became acutely aware yeah. of more than I had ever paid attention to. And so it was that desire to, you know, protect my unborn child, but then also decide for myself from a health perspective, I really should start paying attention. And it was about the time when there were so many um, articles coming out about the safety of ingredients with products in your homes, as well as cosmetics and body care products, such as, you know, lotions and um, body washes. So I became really passionate about creating alternatives for many of those products that I was using myself. Now, You actually created many of these alternatives yourself and you still to this day um, manufacture many of these yourself. You're very hands-on with these products. You know, that's a a pretty huge undertaking, especially with the range that you have today. I mean, you start out with a few. Did you ever get to a point where you went, whoa, I've really taken on a lot here? Oh, all the time. (laughs) You know, there are days where it's just like, what am I thinking? This has gotten really big, really quickly. But along the way, I've also been so fortunate, so blessed to have a team of very capable, um, amazing, very smart, savvy people surrounding us. Uh, My husband and I have run the business together and we've developed such a strong team that supports us in all of those areas. So I feel really fortunate to have grown the business that way with people around us that really love what they're doing and have had their respective areas of expertise to be able to assist us in making this mission and my passion come alive. Yeah, amazing. And I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn here because, you know, one of the things that uh, I don't often get to do is interview somebody who also works with their husband. And I know that many of our distributors are also trying to work uh, either alongside their partner or they're looking to, you know, they're, they're sort of in the same space as their partner and um, and and it often comes up as a real challenge. And I, I want to ask you, you know, working with your husband has its ups and downs. How have you guys actually managed that? And, you know, I, what, what for you is the secret behind working successfully with your significant other? Don't never go to bed mad. <laughs> That's the secret to marriage and also a great secret as well when you're business partners. And you, you can attest to this too, Sam. I think, um, you know, the more you can communicate 
adequately, um, honestly, and really get out in front of potential issues is helpful. You can also decide early on, and this is something I would highly recommend, you know, stay in your own lane, determine who is going to be, you know, where are your superpowers and where are your strengths and where are your weaknesses and decide early on, you know what, this is not a strong, um, talent for me personally. So I'm going to let that other person really take that ball and run with it and then allow them the flexibility to make those decisions. Yep. Did uh, I assume that when you started to work together, it wasn't at the very inception of the business? At what point did your husband step in and actually start working alongside you? Yeah, within a couple of years, he stepped in and it was one holiday season I'll never forget. We had gotten so busy with so many new customers, consultants were joining, and you know, we were manufacturing products in my home before we had a warehouse. And I said to him, I either need to hire someone full time that can run our credit cards and enter product orders and be able to manage that business side so I can still interact with the field and continue developing new products. And so he said, you know what, let me think about it. And it wasn't more than a day or two later, he came back and just said, I think I'm going to resign my position and do this with you full time. It was a godsend, obviously. And um, of course, there's been some ups and downs, but he's embraced it. And um, we've worked this um, as a team ever since. It's been amazing. Yeah. Do you know, one of the things that I really found as a, as a challenge when Greg stepped in, because it was very similar, you know, I started something I was excited about and then it got to the point where it got so busy. Um, he, he, he did something very similar to you, Heidi. And he said, look, I think it's about time that we need to either be on the same page and working together on this. Um, or you're going to have to hire, you know, a number of people to come in and, and kind of support you and help. And honestly, Heidi, my lane is not managing staff. That is not where I love to be. And where is it's his, it's his skill set. And so what I found was though, by him stepping in, um, it, it took a while to find our lanes because I, I was already kind of running everything and you had, I had to be able to let go of some stuff, which became quite challenging because it was my baby. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he had to find things that he felt comfortable doing, which took a little bit of time, but I couldn't dictate what they were. And, and that was a real challenge. It took a little bit of time. I assume that you had that a very similar challenge with that falling into what is your lane and what isn't. Yeah, for sure. He had come from a tech background and I was very willing to give that side of things up (laughs) and say, you know what, I could really use help there so I can handle some of the other uh, parts of the operations. Yeah. It sounds very, very similar. Yeah. And um, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm really curious about is how you went from uh, here, here is something I'm passionate about. You know, w- what are we putting on and in our body? And you wanted to create some products that provided a solution for people. Um, you also were passionate about that community element of women coming together. But what was it that made you decide direct selling was the industry that you were going to um, really step into? Well, it was really the model and the method. I was selling products anyway. So it was absolutely perfect. I was making products. I was selling them, taking them into women's homes and um, sharing the story of, you know, how they were created, how in some cases they were safer um, for your health uh, based on the ingredient list that we used. And um, just sharing my story, I think really lent itself well to the direct selling model. And, you know, I had been to um, a lot of you know, in-home parties and events um, just like that in the direct selling world, I had friends that sold other products and I was always so fascinated by it. I grew up going to um, makeup parties with other, you know, companies that, that sold yeah. the products. And I was always um, really in awe of not only the representatives, but just how friendly those communities got to be. And I also noticed the friendships that were formed yeah. among those in those industries as well. Yeah. And I love that you actually started on the ground yourself. Essentially, you were your first distributor, right? I was, yep. 
And, you know, along the way, for anyone that starts a new business, you, you we have learnings. We learn some things the hard way. We have some successes. What were some of those bumps, ups, downs, challenges, learnings that you experienced over the last 21 years that have, have essentially got you to where you are, but are things that, you know, you might encourage somebody else to avoid or you've learned, hey, wouldn't go back and do that again quite the same way? Well, one of the best pieces of advice I could give someone that I didn't do well early on was ask enough questions from someone who is an expert in your field. And so it was years later that I really dove into let me get involved with some entrepreneur groups and visit with other business owners about the path that they walked. And then when I became a member of the DSA, um, really things clicked even more clearly because it was just the behind the scenes things that maybe they had learned some shortcuts or tech tips, um, you know, running different contests and initiatives and promotions even that would have been a huge shortcut for us had I tapped into some of those resources earlier on in my career. Yeah. And what about from a distributor perspective? I mean, a lot of our listeners are consultants for various companies all over the globe. Um, And they're listening in now and they're wondering, what are some of the learnings that you had even from those early stages uh, as you being your first distributor or, you know, what were some of the things that your distributors learned along the way that you might have encouraged them to do differently or you learned that changed the way that, that the business operated? Oh, there's there's dozens of examples I can give, but you know, culture really, Sam, is everything. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, as someone who's in the field, a distributor, a consultant, as we call them at Lemongrass, you know, you create the culture of your team by by leading others, right? And so the way you treat them, the way you handle situations, the way you encourage them through tough times, because this is a business where you're going to do life with other people, and the more that you can be empathetic and understand what they're going through and help guide them to finding their own best solutions. You know, you're not going to solve maybe their financial issues or things that are going on with their family, but you can be that ear, but and also such a fantastic coach to them while they're going through those those times in their lives. Yeah, amazing. So when it comes to culture and leading people, you know, particularly for those who haven't led a team before, have you got any practical tips that you could uh, provide or that you would offer to someone who's listening and thinking, well, how do I create culture from the outset, from the onset when I start recruiting people into my team? Absolutely. It all starts with encouragement and leading by example. So when you're in activity with your business, you're out sharing, you're learning about whatever product or service um, that you are offering to your customers. It's like train the trainer. You know, when you're doing those activities, you bring them alongside you. Now at Lemongrass, it used to be where we would do all in-home events. There were no virtual options. We didn't have the technology for that prior. A lot of this, um, the things that you see now with this industry, especially with social media and just getting started with this business, those things did not exist. So how did you share your product? You met with people, you know, whether it's an in-home setting or maybe at an expo event, maybe even over coffee. Um, you made phone calls. You invited people to your home to show them what you were up to. And it was all those creative connecting experiences that really created the relationship. And every month you would duplicate that. You would replicate what you would do. And again, show them, lead the way by um, the activities that you were doing uh, to help them build a business that they desired as well. Yeah. What about those that might have a bit of a team, but they're struggling with a culture issue that has been created and they need to deal with that or they need to reset that culture? Gee, I mean, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a tricky one because, you know, we're now dealing with a problem. And I know that this definitely comes up a lot. It can be just one individual perhaps, or it can be an entire team. Um, you know, what advice would you provide to somebody who's in a situation like that, who's thinking, how do I change the culture of my team to get it on the right track? 
Um, leading by example is one. Second, you know, lean into the resources you have at your company. Maybe there's a an upline leader or maybe there's a leader lateral to you in the organization that you really appreciate, love and respect. I think those are all helpful resources. You can also, um, you know, have you may end up at some points saying to this person, you know, I really appreciate and respect you, but we don't see eye to eye on this particular issue. And so really having an open, frank conversation and really try to get to the root of what is the difference culturally or um, behaviorally that's going on between the two of you and maybe um, trying to really isolate what the issues are at hand. Sometimes we have to say this isn't a great fit and I might not be able to support you personally, but as a team member, you know, we're, we're all here together and let's figure out a way that we can still operate in a way that's very healthy for both of those um, situations and the relationship as a whole. Yeah. 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 Culture is a really challenging one, isn't it? Because it's definitely so important in any, anyone's business, whether you've got two people or whether you've got a hundred. But I love that you keep coming back to leading by example. And I think sometimes the challenge we have is we really need to stop and look at how are we leading and what are we doing and what's the culture that we're setting because uh, it's very easy to point the finger, um, but sometimes we really need to have a look at, you know, potentially how we're showing up as well, which, you know, it it can be quite a confronting thing to look at, right? But it is really, really important um, as as you grow a business because, you know, it's it's kind of like that seed that gets planted and it just continues to grow. And as your team gets bigger, um, that's only going to continue becoming either more of a problem or more of a positive, depending on what you've got set. Exactly. There's so some of us with personality styles where confrontation is not, um, you know, isn't something that we uh, want to do. And, and people struggle with confrontation um, in a lot of these instances, but really getting out in front of it early on, I think is absolutely the best bet when it comes to those cultural differences. Yeah. Yeah. Now- Over the last 21 years, I mean, there have been so many changes in this industry. What for you has been the biggest shift that you've observed in the direct selling industry since, you know, your company was born through to today? Yeah. Uh, The biggest change was through COVID going completely to digital um, versus a combination or a hybrid. And with uh, consultants at Lemongrass, we had a combination of people that were already doing digital only. It was all online businesses sharing products um, and all their experiences were done using, for the most part, social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And that changed because then everybody was online. And uh, I feel like we adapted really quickly. We have amazing, very savvy consultants at Lemongrass. They picked up on what was working well for those who had already walked that path before. And uh, we adapted really quickly. And, you know, being in an industry where uh, clean beauty products are always at a high demand, but especially in the last few years, we feel really blessed and honored that we can serve our customers, whether it's an in-home experience or they're ordering straight online from um, a consultant's shopping cart. Um, It works really well for our industry, and, and we're just really proud of the way our consultants adapted through that whole situation. Yeah. And I assume that it wasn't necessarily a natural adaption. What did you do to help them uh, get into that space? And how did you encourage them to use technology during that time and, and ongoing through to now? Well, certainly um, training was a key role, key piece of that offering challenges like, Hey, we would, we would issue challenges to our consultant community and say, Hey, um, you know, create, um, a post or a video and share it. Um, and that created a, a lot of buzz for consultants for those who had already run their business online only. Um, we invited them to do some training and really kind of share with the rest of the community how they were doing and becoming very successful in that. And people adapted quickly, especially when they knew you know, we're not sure how long this is going to last. And oh, by the way, people are ordering online just as easily as they are in home. Of course, now um, that things have changed and we have that skill set, it's 
now we're adapting and evolving to doing a hybrid business. And many of our consultants have been successful doing that. Some um, in person, meet at a coffee shop or display your products um, at an event, but then also really continuing to lean into those areas of their expertise with social media as well. Yeah. And look, Heidi, every entrepreneur, every business owner has a super skill. It doesn't matter whether you are brand new in business or you've been doing it for a long time. I'd be really curious to hear what your super skill in your business is. One of the things that's really important to me, and a lot of people say, Heidi, this is kind of what you're known for is kindness. Um, I do think it's one of my superpowers, but I also am not a complete pushover. (laughs) So kindness is always at the end of the day, one of the things that's really most important to me in the way I treat people and the way they treat others. Um, But also, you know, the connecting that I've been able to do, networking, really understanding how to empower people with a business, I think are all important attributes. And I just feel really blessed and honored to even be in the position that I am to be able to share some of those gifts and talents. Yeah. You know, it is something I noticed about you that you are definitely very skilled in relationships and networking. As a business grows, though, that becomes more and more challenging because you've got more and more people to have to connect with, relationship build with, and make them feel like they matter. What have you done as your business has grown to still make sure that people feel valued as individuals? I think that is such a critical piece of this. And you know, you can get lost in the digital world feeling like no one is seeing what I'm posting or responding to. And um, one of the things that we do often is we have several platforms where um, I will show up and I will comment and I'll personally text um, consultants. Um, we have a leader group. And so because we have different groups at different times and lots of events, that I'm very involved with, I really do think that makes a big difference in those touch points on a consistent basis. Yeah. I I love that you do that. And I, I, this was not something that we pre-spoke about, but I I did want to ask that question because I know that it's important to you to make people feel like they're valued individually. But again, you know, when you're dealing with thousands of consultants, that becomes very, very hard. Um, And so what about somebody from an advice perspective, somebody who's actually in the industry as a consultant and they're starting to grow, their business is really starting to grow and they're thinking, how can I take care of everybody? How can I still show up for people individually um, outside of just those people that are existing customers? Because this is the thing, attention tends to go to those that are buying. But the problem with that is that we're not then nurturing and taking care of those people who either are past customers or haven't yet bought um, which then stunts our business. It kind of, it, it, it creates this situation where you only get looked after if you're paying. So what advice do you offer to consultants, maybe from an organization or a routine point of view to keep that uh, nurturing going, keep that relationship building going um, on an individual basis without it taking them oodles of time every single week? It is a balancing act. It is not easy. And especially when you dive into social media and you decide, you know what, I need to spend a little bit more time there in my DMs and really connect with people. Um, it can take a lot of time. And so yeah. I think balancing your time, setting aside certain hours that you're going to dedicate to that. Maybe you're using voice text, so it's still very personal, but it's a little bit faster than saying, I'm going to jump on a phone call. So I think there's some yeah. things like that. So, you know, group events. I love online lives in groups work so well because you can get your message out one time, um, but you can also later follow up with those that have engaged with you. And I think that's a great use of time for Mm. people that have large teams or organizations, or maybe it's a VIP group for your customers where you're popping in occasionally, but you're not spending hours and hours. And again, um, one message that um, many can hear or engage in um, at once. Yeah, that's so yeah. powerful. I'm so glad that you brought up voice notes too. They're one of my favorite things because they are so personal. People know that you didn't copy and paste it to a dozen other people. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about them is they're so quick to do. 
Um, and you can just punch a bunch of them out and, and people, you know, anytime that I do this, I often get someone will respond and go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you actually took your time out of your day to leave me a personal message like that. And I think that's a really powerful thing. I'm sure that you get a similar response when you do take that time to leave a voice note. Definitely. Yep. So your super skill you say is kindness and that I love the fact that you say that you also know how to set those boundaries. How have you leveraged your super skill to grow your business to where it is today? Well, you know, this is a relationship business, Sam, as you know, and it really does boil down to those personal connections, but then encouraging other people to tap into that same skill set. You know, there's so many who join a direct selling company and they say, oh, I could never do this. I really don't know that many people, but you can quickly become a connector with a certain message that really appeals to a broader audience. Yeah. And I think that's just it. I think it's been so interesting to see how people have built a brand around some sort of super skill, just like you said, um, that they they can share with others and really create a lot of value for others based on their content. Yeah. Do you know, it's funny. I often see people um, downplaying their super skill. We all have one. Every one of us has one or two or three super skills. And it's, it's funny watching people in business because your super skill is usually something that you enjoy, that you find easy to do, that um, doesn't feel like work. And I often see people in business putting that to the side, thinking it doesn't feel like work, therefore I should be getting better at the things that are not my super skills. And they don't leverage the skill that they have. So using your super skill of kindness and relationship building here as an example, um, this is often one that I see people avoiding using because they assume that relationship building and and growing friendships and being kind and and doing those things that just naturally come to them feel like that they must be wasting their time. It can't be a good use of time to grow a business. I should actually be doing the things that feel like work. Do you ever observe this in your consultants, this sort of behavior? I I think it's very common. And especially with people who are new to their business, they're trying to figure out what they need to learn um, Mm. to be able to do this business successfully. And some things are harder to learn than others. You know, not everybody um, has the gift of hospitality, right? (laughs) And so when we were doing in-person events, it was a little more difficult for people who are just like, you know, I don't normally invite people into my home. I don't, Mm. I'm not great at that. Um, I'm not great at entertaining others. I'm more of that person that would just kind of like to sit back and listen to other people have a conversation rather than me leading a conversation. What do I do to get over those fears? And, um, you know, everybody has to work through those, but it has been amazing what confidence has emerged because of having a social selling business. It's just really been incredible to watch. It's like a, you know, a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. It's like someone that really has discovered, you know what, I really am good at this. And I'm going to use some of those skills um, that I've been gifted with um, to make my business thrive. Yeah. You know, that was probably one of the biggest learning curves for me was realizing that I don't actually have to be amazing at everything. Um, but that the things that come naturally for me, the things that are giftings are the things that usually, um, uh, where your profitability and business growth lie. Um, and being able to understand the difference between um, the things that you need to delegate or perhaps, you know, get some assistance with versus the things that you should be, you know, that you absolutely should be piling your time into because it's your skill set versus the things that you can learn and should learn a little bit more of. It doesn't mean we don't challenge ourselves. But you know, it, it is a, like you said, a balancing act, isn't it? It's a really interesting thing to have to work through. But, you know, I see a lot of people just assuming that they need to get better at the things that they dislike, that they're not great at, and they end up becoming quite resentful of their business because of that um, and not great at it because they're not focusing on those things that they are really skilled at doing. Um Definitely a problem I'm seeing probably more and more now, especially as technology is becoming um, so prominent in businesses uh, and the online aspect. And people assume that they can't use their super skill in conjunction with the technology. I think there's this feeling that... Um, 
you know, adapting means being uncomfortable. It doesn't necessarily mean using my super skill in conjunction with. And, you know, relationship building is an example of that. You may have been good at doing that in person, but actually there are some brilliant ways you can do that online. And it's about finding that safe, uh, really happy space for you that helps you do that in a way that is genuine and authentic. And Heidi, I'm really keen to talk to you today. I think this is one of the things that we had a really great chat about the other day. And and I know it's a, a real challenge for many people in business is thinking ahead. And the word legacy for me is a really big one. And I know for you, you're really passionate about this as well. Um, a lot of people, particularly in the direct selling industry, are focused very much on what they're doing right here, right now to earn a bit of extra income. And they don't necessarily look outside of that and see um, or, or think about what's my legacy and what's the ripple effect and what am I leaving behind? And that there's a lot of discounting how powerful and valuable this business is and the impact we're having on other people. You have actually really thought this through. You've got a, a really, um, you're very passionate about your legacy. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I sure can. Um, so legacy means different things to some pe- to other people, right? And so um, the advice I would give for someone in direct selling is, um, you know, of course, depending on um, what the compensation plan is and what that looks like, you know, this can be a business that has a lot of residual income. And once you've built a business and you have customers who continually come back to you, as well as always looking for new people that you can serve, that is huge. I think also from a long-term standpoint, think about the income that can be perhaps made, but also what you're teaching your kids and what can you build for them that has lasting impacts, I think is really the bigger picture. Um, the also the relationships that you're building throughout those years and the opportunities that this industry affords you in all the connections that you're going to make as you're building this out and, and you're able to do some things for your family that maybe you never dreamed of. Yeah. And so what about the legacy that you have uh, with Lemongrass Spa? Because you have really thought that through. And I noticed that you've created a situation where people can choose to join the business for several different reasons. Oh, you sure can. You know, many join because they fall in love with a product here. <laughs> um, you know, whether it's a healing elements or a body polish or one of our probiotic products, there's so many opportunities to start with a simple product that makes a big impact. And then from there, they discover, you know what, I think I could probably talk to other people about this particular product because I love it so much. And so that becomes a place where they're able to take that experience share with other people. And pretty soon you gain interest among those customers. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? If she can do that or he can do that, I can do that too. Yeah. And so it's very duplicatable. And of course, that's the power of social selling and our industry is how it can be duplicated for others to be able to just copy exactly what you've done and put it in your own words, share it with your own family and friends and be able to build a business. And so that certainly does create a a legacy for so many families. And of course, um, you know, our team that we have here as well. And this month you've launched something very special. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? I would love to. So we launched out the Pink Box of Hope, which is a box that contains four specially curated products specifically for people who are going through a health journey, especially cancer. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, the box has four individual products, plus it has a bracelet. It's called a Hope Bracelet. And um, it just reminds whoever the recipient is that there is hope and hardship. There is always hope in whatever it is you're going through and that someone cared enough to think about you while your health journey. And, you know, we've had so many people comment on the box, how much they love it. It's an unscented body cream that's the color pink. There's an 
organic nail balm that's in there that really helps um, preserve your nails and your cuticles as you're going through um, perhaps chemo and radiation, if that's the treatment of choice. There's also a Restore Lip Ball uh, Butter that feels terrific on skin. And especially because during that period of your, your life, if you're going through the health concerns, Dry skin is a huge complaint that many have. And then, of course, our healing uh, pink balm is included in that box as well. It's just an opportunity for you to share something that's very affordable for just $39 with someone who's going through a health journey such as breast cancer or other um, health issues. So is that this pink box uh, of hope is designed to be something that people purchase and then gift on to somebody who's going through a health journey at the moment? Is that how that works? It is. Yeah. So you can order online from your favorite lemongrass consultant and have it drop shipped, of course, to any address in the U.S. And so um, gifting is definitely in mind. But another opportunity that everybody has is to do fundraising efforts and be able to sponsor these kits for maybe a cancer center that's in your location. You know, cancer doesn't discriminate. One in eight women um, have the diagnosis of breast cancer. And so because of its prevalence, we decided to focus on that. And of course, there's a giving back element of it from our home office to multiple organizations as well that are on a mission to really help, you know, cure cancer as well as prevent it with the type of products that they're putting on their skin yeah. and using in their homes. So what inspired you to do this in the first place? Well, a story long, long ago, we um, put together what's called a loving care gift set. And it was an idea that was suggested from consultants that were using several products that really had been helping people in their family as they were going through a health journey. So we put together a kit of three products and sent it with a little note. And um, one year I did um, a, a campaign where they could nominate people who were going through a cancer journey. Well, the response, Sam, was overwhelming. We had so many nominations. We kept sending out kits and we had so many people that, number one, couldn't believe we were just giving away these loving care gift sets. Yeah. Number two, that they had been nominated by a family member. And number three, that someone, you know, was going to do this just without even knowing who they were, mm -hmm. sight unseen, right? And so after that campaign, we got a flurry of thank you cards and notes and emails and text messages and phone calls. And we put together a campaign each and every year after that, really in honor of those people going through those health journeys. And so it was really inspired by some of the top product and recommended products. But then we took it a step further. I interviewed multiple cancer thrivers, and there were three lemongrass leaders within our organization that have really stepped over up over the years, shared their personal stories, um, really helped other people in doing fundraising efforts for cancer thrivers. And um, I worked specifically with them on creating and curating the box of products that would be most meaningful for those going through that health journey. Wow, that's amazing. I love that you've listened uh, so closely to not so much what people are saying, but what they're doing. I think that's really powerful. Yep. And uh, so, Heidi, just, uh, you know, as we wrap up and jump into our fun questions, I'd also love to know, like, you're a mum, you have got a 21-year-old business, you've got, uh, you know, two kids that were born either side of the birth of this business. So, essentially, this is your third child, right? And then you've got a husband who you work with as well. How have you, as an entrepreneur, as a woman, maintained life and business or some form of balance? to take care of you, your family and your relationship, as well as, you know, growing this incredibly successful company as you have? Well, just like with anything else, I failed in a lot of ways, Sam. <laughs> um, you know, there have been times where I'm like, I put way too much time um, focused only in one area instead of really doing what 
you should do is balance. There's no thing, such thing as complete balance in your life because life happens. And sometimes we have to be focused, more focused and put more hours into a business, especially before a launch or a big event. And of course, every woman can relate to that. Any business owner can relate to that as well. Trying to balance your family. You know, you're, you've got to uh, pay attention to what your children are doing and attend their school events. And of course, just be a parent for them. And so there are some times where I had to put some projects at work on hold to attend to, you know, what my children were going through or um, decide, you know what, I need to put the brakes on this project for other other reasons. But like I said, there's no um, formula um, or magic um, magic formula, I should say, for balance, because there are certain times in your life that other that certain things have to to um, take priority. Yeah. One thing I will say, and I will highly encourage, I give a lot of credit to my husband and my daughters as they grew up, is really taking family vacations, and it is mm-hmm. one of the things. I mean, if you follow me on social media, you'll see that we love to travel, and it really is that time where we focus on each other, having fun, getting out and doing the things that we enjoy. Um, Because if you don't do that, life is just going to get away from you and you're going to look back going, wow, we just didn't take enough time for ourselves and to prioritize our family time. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think that's really important and it can be really hard to prioritize that when you are, you know, desperately trying to grow a business, right? And and it, there's often this little voice in the back of your head saying, uh, when I get to here, when this happens, when the business gets to this point, when my income hits this amount, then I'll go do these things. But it creates so many problems in the long run. And, uh, and you do end up becoming quite resentful of the thing that's holding you back from spending that quality time with your family. Um, so it's certainly been an observation from my perspective of both myself and many others who, uh, you know, are trying to grow a business as well. So I really commend you for prioritizing that time with your family. I think that's really important. I think it's gotten better throughout the years. You know, when you're in the early stages of development and you maybe don't have that team formed around you to lean into, it's harder to take the time away. Um, But if you do a good job of strategically placing people, um, that can be super helpful as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, Now, Heidi, I've got to ask our fun questions. These are my favorites. And (laughs) uh, I'm really curious to hear what you've got to say here. So... First one of these is, what is your favorite book for our Accelerator book list? Well, I have so many that I highly recommend, but I thought for this purpose, Digital Persuasion by Erin King is one of my favorites in terms of what's happening right now um, with digital marketing, social media, as well as just the way that we communicate um, quite differently now um, with this age of digital. So I highly recommend her book. Yeah, awesome. And second question is, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would that be and why? Oh, wouldn't anybody like to have the gift of um, time travel? You know, either going back and fixing one little thing or looking ahead, peering ahead in a few years. And I wonder how this is all going to turn out. Um, no, I don't know that I would necessarily want to do that because we've all, we've all, um, you know, dreamed about those kinds of things. I don't know. I feel very fortunate um, that I've been just blessed with amazing people around me. Mm. And I, I do think that, um, you know, prioritizing time has been one of those things for me that maybe I could certainly use um, a little bit of assistance with. And again, I've surrounded my myself with some fantastic people that have kept me on track with that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there's just, there's obviously dozens of things that you can always say you'd like to improve upon, but um, just really focusing on the things that matter yeah. um, are really important. Yeah, I've got to ask the question. If you did have the superpower of time travel, where would you go? <laughs> I think that's a good that's a good thing. I I do wonder about that, and um, you know, just being able to see five years, ten years in advance. You know, oh, you go um, forward. I think I would go forward okay. because I kind of want to see how a few things evolve and progress mm-hmm. and then just be able to take some of that knowledge and apply it now. 
Yeah. Do you know, it's yeah. funny. I, I think Thank I do the opposite. The audience is going <laughs> to think about that, but um, I have given that some thought. That's for sure. I think going forward would be really scary. Um, I think for me, I'm just so fascinated by the past and the parts of the past that I haven't seen. I'd love to go back in time to when, um, you know, there was no electricity, there was no technology, um, you know, the, the, and and everything was, um, you know, you like you had to make your own way in the world literally um, with your hands. I would love to go way back, like go back maybe, you know, 150, 200 years and see how people live then. I think it would set so much perspective on the now um, and change perhaps the gratitude for what we have now as well. Um, That for me would be really cool to see that scenario, I think. It is so true. Well, you had asked me, you know, and I'm probably jumping ahead, but you had asked me one of my favorite quotes. And oh, I that's so my many. next question. So jump yeah, right in so there. Many. So it sort of leads into this superpower question. So I brought it up yeah. and I was like, one of my favorite quotes, I'm reading it from my phone. You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. Ooh, good and one. throughout my life, I've sort of beat myself up over things that I wish I could go back and change mm. or uh, I wouldn't have said that, or I could have done so much better, um, yeah. you know, working through a situation or, um, you know, leveling up at a certain point in my life, but you can't do it. Right. And so rereading that chapter over and over and over and, um, redoing those same mistakes is maybe not going to serve you as well as looking to the future and deciding, you know, what, I can kind of write what this is going to look like with God's yeah. help. Um, I can, I can control some of the things and my actions, um, and my goals in the future. So, yep. Yep. That's a great one. I love that. And then the last question, uh, by far my favorite, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think so. You know, there's a lot of things that I could say, but be more confident in who you are and what your message is and just hold fast to that. You know, we can, we can waver in our faith in ourselves and our confidence because of maybe what other people say or think, or we just, um, we have a hard time getting past, you know, some old tapes that are playing in our heads, Mm. um, from maybe years ago or um, someone who was of influence, you know, in your life that you have a hard time getting past. And I just encourage other people uh, to let that go and kind of rewrite this for themselves. Yeah. Yep. So good. Look, Heidi, it has been such an honor and a privilege for me to chat with you today and hear a little bit more about uh, Lemongrass, your story and your learnings along the way. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and joining us today. It's been great. Oh, you're welcome, Samantha. I just adore you. You do such a wonderful job. Great meeting you in person a few months ago, and I'm so glad we were able to do this project together. Yeah. And look, I really encourage our listeners as well. You know, if you want to um, lean in and, and find out a little bit more about Lemongrass or Heidi or the story there, is there a way that they can uh, connect with you guys, find out a little bit more about uh, your incredible products too, by the way, and maybe even the Pink Box of Hope? Oh, definitely. So if you're on social, of course, Lemongrass Spa Products is on Instagram. And it's we're also on Facebook. Lemongrass Spa Products Corporate is our Facebook um, account. And then of course, go to our website and check out our um all the offerings we have and a little bit more about our story at lemongrassspa.com. And there's three S's in a row. Yeah, so it I looks kind of funny when you're typing that out, but there are three S's when yes. you go uh, to check out our website. Yep. Awesome. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. But again, thank you so much. It's been such uh, an honor catching up with you again, Heidi. Love you, love what you do and really appreciate um, you sharing with us. And I'm really excited to see what comes next for Lemongrass and your amazing family. And uh, thanks again, of course, to our beautiful listeners for tuning in again. It's been so great having you with us and we'll see you again on the podcast next week. That's it from us. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.